0: Hey everyone, we've got a special episode for you today. Our very own Rao Pal was on the MetaV Cafe YouTube channel for an Ask Me Anything session. They talked about the growth that's taking place across India and the innovation that we're seeing in Web3. Sit back and enjoy the
1: conversation. Hello Raul. Hey, great to be here. Same here. We are all excited. We have been waiting for you to show your face to the Indian audience after a very long, long time. I've been waiting for this for two years, two years continuously. I spoke to you before that, but, but it was all in my dreams. But <laughs> first, yeah, honestly. And this is the first time I'm speaking to you live. Oh my God. Thank you very much taking out time. And I should thank your whole Real Vision team, everyone, Nipun. Oh my God, they ha- I've been chasing them and they have been taking all my pressure, all my force. <laughs> and then finally you're here. Oh, it's great to
2: be here. I'm really pleased.
1: How does it feel? I'm sorry? How do you feel interacting with Indians? You have Indian
2: roots, I know. know Yeah, I'm half Indian Indian myself. I spend a lot of time in India. I lived in Calcutta when I was a kid. So it's coming home to me. Oh, lovely, lovely, lovely.
1: So, Raul, I don't want to waste time. I know we have only one hour of time and we want to make the best use of it. And I've got the best panels to ask you a lot of questions. And we'll be starting it with uh, basics finance, global economy, recession, and then a little bit about startups. And also also will come to Web3. That's the most important thing that the world needs to know. And the India needs to know, actually. The Indian youth, actually, they have been waiting for. And, you know, I'll have to acknowledge this. We have got immense, because we got very short period of time, and we got immense, immense amount of support from the whole community. And it was like, otherwise, it was very, very difficult for me to pull this out. But streaming, whether it's promotion, whether it's Uh, tagging to roll on Twitter every day and Real Vision, but it happened, it happened. And I'm sure this has been streaming on Facebook. This has been streaming on YouTube. Whole Indian audience is watching uh, this show and let's make it with a lot of alpha and a lot of uh, value. And uh, one question that I want to ask is, how did you get this idea about Real Vision to start Real Vision?
2: What made you think of this? So I had been... At the epicenter of the financial system was at Goldman Sachs, the prestigious investment bank, and I was um, a salesman dealing with the world's most famous hedge funds and institutions and asset managers, Mm. but mainly the hedge funds. Then I went to run a hedge fund myself, a big hedge fund in London, and then I I decided to opt out of the rat race and move to the Mediterranean coast of Spain to get my quality of life back. And I write a research service called Global Macro Investor. I've been writing for 17 or so years, which is a very kind of institutional, kind of expensive, prestigious research service. But Mm. I predicted the financial crisis and also the European crisis in 2012 when we almost lost Europe. And in both of those, people would come up to me in the street, friends of my parents, friends of friends, and say, why didn't we know? People in Spain where I was living got decimated, friends went bankrupt, the entire property sector collapsed. And I thought, why didn't people know? And I thought, I need to do something about this. And that was the democratization of financial information. So it doesn't just belong to those at the center. It belongs to everybody. And so that's what the idea behind Real Vision, we thought, well, how do we do this? This was 2014. We were pretty early to the video thing and said, what we're going to do, people said, well, what you need to do is short form, three minute interviews. Nobody's got an attention span. And we said, no, we're going to interview the world's most famous investors, the very best that, there is in, that, that exists, the world's best analysts and strategists, and we'll talk to them for an hour or longer. And that was revolutionary at the time. Now people do that mm-hmm. more often, but Real Vision led the way to yeah, give yeah, people yeah. the kind of information that they didn't get before. And that's been the journey of Real Vision. And it's been an incredible journey. So we've now got members in 111 countries. We're just starting Real Vision India. Nipun, who's on the call as well, is involved in that. There's, you know, It's a huge, growing, amazing community with a lot of knowledge in it. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant.
1: I used to conduct a lot of webinars on Web3 mainly. And uh, we used to cover all the subjects, whether it's attack, whether it's ban, whether it's anything with layer ones or Ethereum, whatever it may be. And every webinar of ours, we used to conclude with Roll Paul's video. So that, <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, and that was like ritual. Everybody attending our webinar will ask, what is Roll's opinion about this topic? So that's how Real Vision got deeper, deeper into our community. And then we promised we got in touch with Nipun and we promised one day Roll will be here and you are there and that's the day here. So without wasting time, my first question, I'll start with my first question is like the youth, uh, we all in India only understand about savings. We do not understand the financial planning and the youth needs to know because they are starting their journey now. And then how do you explain or simplify financial planning to them so that they don't struggle in the future? And at the same time, they don't have to go through all the intricacies of the economy or the charts or all the data they need to know. So the basic simple way so that they can understand and they can take actions accordingly.
2: So India historically had high interest rates. So everybody's parents save money, yeah. and they wow. got paid 9%, 10% interest. Yeah. But interest rates over time have been coming down in India, like they have everywhere in the world. So suddenly you don't get that much money anymore for putting your money on deposit. So the average age of an Indian is now 28 years old, which is an astonishingly good demographic. But um, for everybody to create the kind of financial future that Indians want considering how expensive things like property is now, they're gonna to have to invest. And the investment industry in India is growing incredibly fast. As this young demographic, much like the same demographic in the United States was in the late 80s. They were 28 years old, the baby boom generation. And what they figured out is they had to start saving. And they created an enormous amounts of future wealth for themselves, by, by investing the money as opposed to just putting it into savings. Indians traditionally have put it into gold as well. Well, gold just offsets the weakness of the rupee to maintain global purchasing power. But for people to start investing, they need to think of simple things like dollar cost averaging. I mean, the Indian stock market mm. has been going up relentlessly for two decades. And The story's only just started. It's a young population. The technology advances within India are enormous. We've got some world-leading companies like Reliance that are growing out of India. India's important geopolitically. So If people can just start investing in their own market to start with, just by putting a few rupees every month into the market, that's a better start than their parents would have had. Then, after that, it's like, how do we diversify a little bit? So it's not just about the Indian economy. And that's about using some of the ability to invest your rupees outside of India gives you the benefits of diversifying outside of the rupee itself, but also participating in things like crypto or the US economy, where things can be different and not so correlated entirely to India. So I think it's very important that people start this journey now, start to learn how to invest, get the educational tools that they need, and just learn as you go. Investing is a lifelong journey. It is not a single place. Um, and we, we actually are passionate about this at Real Vision, that we've created something called the Real Vision Academy, and we've got special pricing for India. So go to the uh, Real Vision website looking for India. And there we've got the world's best experts not just some random person on YouTube, but experts who've been in the financial markets for 30, 40 years, teaching you how to be a better investor. Um, and it's very affordable and it's life-changing. Get this bit right. Your future self, which is why we invest, in 20 years' time is going to be in a very different position than your current self.
1: Yeah. I totally agree with you because one has to keep on upscaling themselves, keep on learning. If you stop learning then and the world is gra- changing very, very fast, very rapidly and you'll have to keep pace with it and you'll have to keep learning very well. And um, awesome. coming on to the recession now, everybody is talking about the recession and everybody wants to know your take on that. Whether is this going to be a small recession, short recession or it is going to be a prolonged recession. Because I think, I don't know, but I think I believe that this is something India is not going to be affected with the decision because we are the people who are exporting wheat, we are exporting textiles, we are exporting biotrugs. And we, as you said, we have a huge population of 1.4 billion people and we have the consumption power. So apart from that, but looking at the macro level, um, look at the war. The war is in Ukraine. It's still going on. And then apart from that, there is energy crisis in Europe. And then... Um, that look at the strange things that is happening in China, where the whole world is trying to cut down their, increase their in- interest rate, whereas China is cutting down the um, interest rate and their property market, which happens to be 29% of their GDP, is struggling very badly. And But China still holds a big amount of uh, probably $1 trillion of uh, reserves, dollar reserves. And I was wondering, if that dollar comes into the market, what will happen? the u.s market or uh, chinese market or india will get impacted or this is the one part of the question the second thing is if we are into a recession if we are getting into a recession what kind of steps we need to take precautions that we need to take whether it's youth or whether it's uh, uh, people who are going to the employment and uh, yeah.
2: yeah yeah okay so mm-hmm. a client of mine early in my career taught me a very valuable lesson. He who has cash in a recession is king because a recession is basically a lack of liquidity within the system. When people don't have money and businesses don't have money, if you've got some savings, well then you can take advantage of things like sell-offs in the stock market or the sell-off in the crypto markets. Having some cash when you see a recession coming is really opportunistic. And look, I think you're right. India is going to be largely unaffected by this. So I don't think that's a big issue. The only thing that's getting affected right now is the rupee. And the rupee is getting decimated. And the interest rates have been rising somewhat. Um, And the rupee has been getting decimated because the dollar is so strong. This is why macro matters to India. Because you don't get foreign inflows when your currency is weakening. So yes, you can export goods but you're not getting inflows into the capital markets. Um, And also makes it very advantageous to invest abroad. But the problem is, is everywhere else is having a recession. So where do you invest? And what you need to look for is what is the market discounting in the United States? So the market in the United States, from the work that I do, is already discounting a pretty reasonable recession. So again, this goes back to the, hey, if I've got cash in a recession, should I actually be taking advantage of some of these discounted rates? You know, the Nasdaq's still down 20% year-to-date. Crypto is still down. I'm looking at Ethereum is down 56% year-to-date. Okay, those are probably opportunities for Indians because if the rupee weakens, you get the, the that, the strength of the dollar, plus the returns of those markets. I don't think that China's trillion dollars of reserves are enough to even move the dial. The US bond market is enormous, and the mm-hmm. global capital flows are gigantic. And if the pension system alone in the United States realizes that rates at 3% are attractive, they can take all the bonds China wants to sell. So I think that's a red herring. I'm concerned that the dollar goes higher for a period of time. Now, that's mm-hmm. difficult for India because oil prices go up. I mean, that's the, yeah. that's the weakness India has, is oil prices you know, it's not very big on natural resources. So I think that is still an issue that can continue for a while as the rupee continues to weaken. But at some point, once the market realizes that the world is going to recession, US interest rates are going to fall, the dollar's probably going to reverse. Okay, now that gets really interesting for India, because now you get a rupee that stabilizes and begins to strengthen again. You've got oil prices coming down, So that stops the squeeze on the pocketbooks of Indians and the companies, and foreigners will start to look for emerging market inflows, and India's the top of everybody's list. So it's kind of setting up for a very interesting few years for for the Indian markets and the Indian economy. We have to get through this period of uncertainty, but that's what I think is setting up here. I'm incredibly bullish India, but I've been waiting for this dynamic of the dollar to stop going up, which we're not quite there yet. The global interest rates to start falling a bit we're not quite there yet um and then i think we've got a great story
1: yeah lovely
2: and uh,
1: what is that something that we can learn from the um what we have what is going through the u.s market and the chinese market is there anything that we can take back to learn and then how they such huge big economies the largest economies of the world are struggling through this phase and slowing down so is there anything that India should learn or can take away from?
2: Yes, that debt is not the answer to growth. So both China, the US and Europe and Japan fueled a two decade boom or three decade boom driven by debt. So anybody can look rich by borrowing money and buying stuff, but you don't yeah. own it. You have to pay it back. And this huge amount of debt is a drag on these global economies. India doesn't have that. It doesn't have it at government level. It doesn't have it at international level. It doesn't have it at household level. If they can avoid that one trap, which is excessive leverage, you can have some debt. That's okay. You know, you want to buy a house, stuff like that. That's okay. You want to start a business. That's fine. But don't use debt to hide the lack of growth by faking growth. Because then you're going to create exactly the same dynamic that China's created, the US has created, Europe's created, the UK's created. So that's the big lesson for India for me.
1: Okay, wonderful. So now everybody knows that Indians have registered their position in 500 fortune companies. Yeah. So what is that India is lacking to take this economy to $5 trillion economy, which our prime minister is visioning for?
2: It is going to happen. We're already seeing the reverse brain drain. Indians run half of the US and the half of the UK, but many are coming back because the opportunity in India is actually becoming larger. So what you need is a champion, a global champion company first, which I think is Reliance. (laughs) Once they start truly realizing their potential, once you've got a global champion, people start paying attention, and people start copying it. We're seeing a, the rise of entrepreneurship in inter- India. It's it's a yeah. huge movement. The fintech movement, the the uh, unlocking, you know, from UPI, Aadhaar, all of this stuff, India Stack has created something really, really powerful within India. That's why so many VC firms are coming there. So yeah. I think we're still early. You know, we've we've just gone through the pandemic then the the boom then the bust on the other side of it this is once we come through to more stability my guess is again being an entrepreneur in india is going to create incredible outcomes for the future and it doesn't require western firms to do it it just requires indians to build amazing companies which i think they're doing
1: Okay, lovely. So, Raul, if I keep on asking questions, so it will keep on going. We have a b- beautiful panel here. So, I would l- like to bring in uh, Pankaj Chopra. He's an Indian accelerator. So, Pankaj, you can ask your question. And yeah.
3: Definitely. Hi, Raul. Good evening. Uh, good morning. Good evening. Thank you so much for uh, taking your time. Uh, wonderful insights. In fact, the best I could pick up is don't use debt to fake growth. Wonderful. I'm going to use it seriously uh, seriously so um uh, quickly you know so i run the um i'm a managing partner i run the india's best uh, startup accelerator india accelerator is a company so in india accelerator we have got another vertical called hypersonic ventures all about web3 so i myself a capital market guy understand capital markets run a fintech company also so quickly in the interest of time so you know i call web3 all about codes and uh, codified trust, you know, uh, decentralized DAOs, wallets, exchanges, you name it, and we have it. So, uh, you know, the world in 2030 or maybe earlier, the power is now getting shifted from nations, uh, cities, communities to individuals. What is your view on this?
2: I think the move towards internet communities that are, coalesce around commonality of mission and purpose, whether that's a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, which has a this very kind of digital sovereign state element to it, or whether it's around a Web3 community or an NFT community, I think is the most powerful business model unlock that we've seen since the start of the internet. And it might even be bigger than that. Because what you're doing is if you think of the model of Facebook, Facebook is a network effects business. It's a community business, but the incentives are split. So we all as users of Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, get the features of the product, but we don't participate in the network, i.e., we don't make any money from it. Yeah, we can build businesses on it, which is the which is why it's a very valuable network. The shareholders took all of the value. Now Web3 puts essentially the network users and the network owners as the same people because you own a part of the token. That is incredibly powerful as an incentive system. So if you go back to Facebook, imagine when Facebook started, they gave shares to everybody who used it. What would you do? You would go and tell everybody because the more people who use it, the better it is because there's a bigger, deeper community and the more valuable it becomes. That is the power of Web3. So it's going to hypercharge businesses and see acceleration of businesses on a scale we've never seen before. We've already seen some of the fastest growing startups in all history coming out of Web3, whether it's Binance. Binance went to two and a half thousand people. This is not a manufacturing business. It went to two and a half thousand people in two years from launch. I mean, it's yeah. staggering the speed that these companies are growing. Even yuga labs and the board 8 yacht club community that whole thing was the fastest accumulation of wealth in any company in history it went from zero to about seven or eight billion dollars in a year it's incredible absolutely absolutely so do i have time for another quick
3: question sign yeah yeah you yeah, yeah. Go on, go on no problem wonderful thank you uh, so, Rahul, uh, you know, you, you've covered almost everything in terms of uh, the opportunity which is yet to come in India and globally, of course. So, you know, this decade, as we have seen at the start of it, will be one of the greatest, greater crisis and opportunity than any other we have experienced in our lifetime. Uh, a quick question is, have we missed the opportunity or we can expect more to
2: come? You know, as well, you know this. As, you're an accelerator you're seeing the rise in entrepreneurship in india Absolutely. and it's only getting bigger and there's Absolutely. only sucking more people and once people see other their friends doing it coming out of iit or whatever they're starting a business they want to start a business and you yes. kick off this virtual circle You know, don't forget, India, not long ago, 10 years ago, you wanted to be working for a big company. It was prestigious. You know, that was the old Indian way, right? The bureaucratic work for a big company. You know, that's the right thing. But we're seeing a wholesale change in the mentality of Indians, particularly of the, you know, the people coming out of the top universities. They're saying, well, why do I want to go and work for, you know, Tata? Why don't I, or Infosys, why don't I start my own business? That's I name. agree. I agree. So for
3: us, the pandemic was more of an opportunity which came out of a crisis. We added the largest number of startups, largest numbers of investors, largest numbers of mentors. The speed were actually a hypersonic speed for us in the, in the pandemic. So of course, yes. And again, you know, for the capital markets, cash is the king. So recession is where Uh, multiple loads of cash actually came out and got infused in the capital markets and also in the startup acceleration market.
2: Yes, and it's a very good time to build when the world is slightly quiet and, you know, people have raised capital. I think the VC cycle was good this time around because the VC (laughs) cycle funded businesses in 2021. So everybody could just sit out this slow period of growth and a recession, build their businesses, And launch them into the new upcycle. That's good. Um, I think that's unlike 2000 where most of these businesses were funded in 96, 97, and they kind of launched products in 2000 and the market collapsed on them. So I'm actually very, very constructive. And crypto, you know, crypto raised globally something like 60 billion in the last 18 months. So all the crypto companies have got cash and they can just not worry about the fact that crypto prices are down and they can just build their businesses ready for the next up phase, which is really, really good.
3: I agree. I agree. Thank you so much for your time, Raul. It was wonderful and we should stay connected virtually. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Pankaj. Look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much, Raul. And thank you, Pankaj. So, Raul, we have got three more uh, panel in in our panel. So I'll introduce to all the rest of the panels here. So I'll bring in, uh, we have Kashif Raja. He's the founder of Betting. And also he runs a channel called uh, Web3 Ki where he explains, makes uh, all the Web3 complications very simple and easy for Indian people. And then we have, uh, <laughs> then, we have then we have Naimish Sanghi. He is the founder and of Coin Crunch, which is a very well-known news channel, the three news channel in India. Hey, Dal. Hi, uh. And then we have parin Latya, the founder of Builders Tribe, and uh, these three are the bearer of the crypto industry in India. So they have been joining uh, us for this panel, and. Uh, Anybody free to ask your questions to Raul?
4: Now, if I may start, I think I'm very excited to be here and uh, you pointed something that's really close to I think all our hearts. Uh, and since since the time this uh, industry has been booming, we've we've seen for the first time that Indian startups can now go and create global companies. right this This hardly happened in web two. We have a few companies that went global. Uh, like Zoho and Postman and they really conquered the world but uh, something like Polygon coming out of India and now a bunch of new unicorns being built out of India. Uh, from, From the perspective of a founder who is about to get into Web3, how do they see this market cycle? There are a ton of founders who've seen the previous cycle and they have a reasonable idea of how to do this because web2 founders did not really have to worry about the markets uh, as much as web3 founders do right mm-hmm. and this affects them directly and very hard sometimes as we saw recently uh, how do how do they deal uh, with uh, something like that
2: so i've been in this in the crypto market since 2013 so i've seen it up and down what you need to do is focus on the big picture where is this going? Because what you've got is an exponential adoption of an asset class with an exponential price over time. But everything that's exponential is volatile in nature as well. Just look at the Amazon share price since, since it IPO back in 99, went down 96%, then up, then down, You know, and, until you get network adoption the network becomes mature. So if you extrapolate the rate of change of the adoption of Web3, it's the fastest adoption of any technology ever in all human history. It's about twice the speed of the internet, which is why none of us sleep anymore because it's just relentlessly fast, right? It's crazy how fast this is. So to extrapolate out the 300 million global users now, Assuming that network adoption rates slow down over time because you can't, you know, the, ex- the earlier phase is the most exponential. We still get to three billion users in like five years. So, okay, once you know that, and let's say we're wrong, let's say we're wrong by 75 percent, it's still a billion users. So, therefore, don't focus on price, the future price will take care of yourself. If you're focusing on price in building your business now, you're building a weak business. You need to factor in the ability to take these very volatile swings as part of your business model. If you don't, you're gonna fail. So this is a really good time for people to be building and focusing on the future and not the present. You know, we, we have to distance ourselves. I do this, we do it with our investments, right? I'm in it for the long term. I don't even trade my positions, but I still have an hourly chart on my screen next to me, but I distance myself from my hourly chart, right? I don't look at my positions and figure out how much I'm up or down every day. I just don't care, but I'm very interested in what the market does. But so you have to, particularly as a founder, is distance yourself from the noise and focus on the big prize. That's why you're building a business. You're not building a business because you want to make money in the next 18 months because crypto goes up. You want the opportunity of the big prize, which is building something big and important. Because this is the only opportunity that I've seen where you can build a business that goes from nothing to $10 billion in a year. So keep your eye on that. And imagine what that business could be worth in 10 years' time. So focus on the big picture.
4: Wow, that's some great advice and thank you. I think a lot of founders uh, from India uh, who are just starting up are listening to this and I'm sure a lot of them are going to be inspired. Uh, yeah, don't take it. Saying-
2: it's it's really important, um, Parin, is not to take this as success or failure of the space. And is my startup valid? Am I doing the wrong thing? Should I have left my job? Right? You're going to drive yourself insane doing that. Um, it is not... A real-time scorecard on how your startup is doing. your real-time scorecard on how your startup is doing is, am I building network adoption amongst what I've built? Have I got customers? Am I delighting them? Have I got a community? Are they talking to each other? These are the things focus on. The revenues will come out of that. very true.
0: It's amazing. Interesting point. I just want to chime in here. Uh, We have a couple of questions from our community as well. And one of them is a little lighthearted. I just want to start with that. What would you this is what what we've discussed so far is, you know, how to be motivated as a a builder, as someone who's building in the industry, but uh, as an investor, simply, you know, someone who has a job, a daytime job, just wants to be part of this industry as it's growing. What would your recommendation be for them in terms of portfolio management and investment in crypto? Like what percentage of the portfolio should be in crypto for them to sort of be comfortable because of the volatility and all that?
2: Well, it depends for different people. It depends what age you are, what income you have, how stable you are in your job, what your future vision of yourself is, what you want to get out of it. So I'm 100 percent of my liquid net worth in this. But I have income I have property I have you know shares in real vision a whole bunch of stuff right so even if my crypto goes to zero it doesn't really change my life it will be miserable but it doesn't change my life if you are young and you're trying to build the future for yourself then look I think crypto is one of the biggest opportunities we will ever be given so you should be reasonably aggressive in it I mean, I'd be more aggressive than others are. So if you've got an investment portfolio and you're young, I'd suggest if you're dollar cost averaging in, you're not trading it, you just want to build wealth in this asset class that grows over time, then being you know, 20 25% of your savings or investments in crypto is fine. You can have some in the Indian stock market, some in bonds, some in diversified global stuff, and you're pretty yeah. much going to set up for great success. Now, if you're 60 years old, I wouldn't say the same thing um, because it's it's an element of risk and time horizon. Crypto is a long right. time horizon because we're talking about 10 years here, You know where, where we think we can the big bulk of the returns is going to come in 10 years. So that doesn't really help somebody who's 60 years old because what they're thinking about is my retirement. So in which case, I would have a different discussion with them and say sure have some of it because it's great because it it'll offset you know the rupee it'll offset other things so maybe you can think about five percent so even if it falls 50 percent again from here what are you gonna lose two and a half percent of your portfolio nobody cares right but if it goes up 20x or something well okay that becomes a lot of money and every crypto cycle it goes up 20x 10x 30x 100x so you know Think of it in those terms. Right. absolutely.
5: Thanks, Rahul. No Hi, Rahul. this uh, side. So Hi, first of all, it's a fanboy moment for me. I've seen so <laughs> many video of, videos of yours and learned so many things, from, especially from the macroeconomic perspective. And a question from my community to you is, uh, since you have an amazing understanding of the macroeconomics. Crypto and and the traditional finances are traditional markets are quite correlated, and we have seen it. Uh, you know, every time when we see why the market is down, the financial market is down, the stock market is down, the S&P 500 is down. Why these two markets are highly correlated? My first question. Second, what do you see in future? Uh, five years, ten years, or what will be the time frame that you are seeing then when? the crypto market will be will have a zero correlation with the
2: traditional markets okay so this is something that most people misunderstand there is zero correlation between the equity market and the crypto market over a larger period of time put up the chart of bitcoin and put it against the s&p 500 the sensex anything over 5 years 10 years right there's zero correlation one is exponential And the other is not. So what you're picking up is the periods when crypto and traditional assets are overwhelmed by the macro, which is to the earlier part of your question. So what is happening on a macro level that is affecting all asset prices in the shorter term? Liquidity is coming out. So what's that saying? Is the central banks are pulling money out of the markets? So obviously, asset prices fall. So we are seeing that moment. It's like we saw it in March 2020 when everything fell, including crypto at the same time. But then crypto massively decoupled. You know, sure, the Nasdaq went up and the Sensex went up, but crypto exploded. So the correlation is, is only in the shorter term. The other thing is there is more correlation with the growth end of the technology market. And the growth in the technology market, because it doesn't have cash flows, is driven by inflation growth expectations. So as inflation rises, it gets marked down because your, your future cash flow is worth less. So once we return to a more normal point where inflation is more stable, that disappears as a factor. So then everything gets judged on its own merits. So there are periods in time when macro matters more than everything else. Macro is how the world economy works. It's, where, it's how money comes in and out. And crypto is not separate. People in the crypto market thought they were some amazing unicorn that never gets affected by global macro until they got hit by global macro hard. And they're like, oh yeah, it does all matter. I need to understand how currencies work and how money works and how liquidity works and what central banks do, because it matters. But over time... There's no correlation. Thank you. Thank you, Raul.
5: Uh, Raul, yeah, yeah, on. One last uh, question, or, or I just wanted to have his perspective. We, we recently saw this uh, OFC sanctions on Tornado cash, and we all know about this event. And uh, as we are quite bullish about this industry, but we also uh, seeing that, uh, you know, regulations is also evolving. Especially the latest event that has happened in terms of Tornado Cash, and people are now debating about you know its impact on uh, you know Ethereum moving to POS and then the effect on the validators, since most of the validators are regulated entities as well. What is Raul Paul's intake on the future uh, and especially about the the present event that happened in terms in in relation to Tornado Cash?
2: I've explained for a long time in videos that there is a fight that has to happen. The regulators want to stamp down on everything. We're seeing this in India, right? Trying to find a way of regulating. The community wants zero regulation. And the fight is going to be where you meet in the middle. If you truly want mass adoption, you have to accept regulation. If not, you are a dark market on the side that you will be shut out of. Now, So I think regulation net-net is a good thing. But it's going to be a fight to make sure regulation is not heavy-handed. Right? There Right? is a real problem with DeFi regulation, is the world works on a- uh, KYC, AML regulations. The problem is with DeFi is you can't KYC and AML. Now, they're not just going to say, oh, no, fine, forget about it, guys. They're just not going to do that. So we have to accept that this is going to be a compromise with the broader financial system. And it's our job to make sure that it comes on our side of the line and not on their side of the line. And it's going to be exhausting. There's going to be a lot of lawsuits. There's going to be a lot of people having to speak to politicians. There's going to be a lot of education. But we also are going to have to realize we're not going to get it all our own way. And I don't mind that. That's okay. Because if on the other hand we get broadly decentralized you know trustless networks to transfer value globally on a level playing field with limited cost that's a bloody big prize you know we can't expect to live in a physical nation state And also to live in these digital sovereign states and expect that the the state that we live in, where we drive on their roads and use their streetlights and their infrastructure and their healthcare, we can't expect them to say, oh, don't worry about it, guys. You just have all your money elsewhere. It's just never going to happen. Now, you can either leave or you have to accept that you're going to have to give some of your share to the state and you're going to have to abide by some of their regulations. But there is global arbitrage in terms of where you live and what you want to do. You know, I live in the Cayman Islands. There's no, there's no direct taxes in the Cayman Islands. There is on import duty and other stuff. Um, you know, it's everything is a trade off.
0: I I just want to sort of uh, chime in here and, and you know, in continuation to the subject, you know, today and for a lot of days in the past, um, the Reserve Bank of India, the Central Bank of India, has been the primary you know uh, uh person uh the institution that is against cryptocurrency in india right and one of the reasons is uh it's that that crypto is bad for emerging economies because um it is it is uh you know represented in dollar value and that sort of indirectly affects the native currencies of these countries right so their argument is that it's, it's dollarized, uh, you know, and hence it is uh, not good for the financial stability of, a, of an emerging economy. What would you say to that argument?
2: I mean, it's right, right? Because basically it's capital flight. You get your yes. ability to take your money out. So how do you approach that? You either say crypto is the problem or India's attractiveness for capital returns in the internal economies, the problem. Now, from what our conversation here we're having is, hey, listen, with the Web3 builders, the tech builders, the fintech builders, you know, maybe having your money in rupee parts of the economy, you're going to generate great returns, in which case it doesn't become a problem. It's only weak economies worry about capital flight. The dollarization of the world is actually an issue. It's actually an issue for everybody, but that's the world that we live in. Now, it depends what ends up happening. Maybe it's a transition where eventually things get priced in ETH or Bitcoin or whatever it may be. And that becomes a currency in its own right and not dollar denominated, per se. I don't know. But I, I get it. it. It is an issue. Um, it is an issue. You know That's why it has the ability only to invest $250,000 abroad. Right, because you just can't have the capital flight of the wealthy Indians taking all their money out because yes. the rupee collapses. It's the same with China. It's the same with a lot of economies. Um, but the answer to that is make investment in India more attractive. And you do that. And India is a horrific, bureaucratic nightmare to deal with. <laughs> so you might be able to be a startup, but God, it's awful for everybody else to deal with. Um And so... You know, and the corruption is still so bad. It's such an issue. Once we solve those things in India, capital will run freely. So, you know, I think we'll get there, but it's just going to take time. <laughs> uh, I truly
1: want this video to be circulated throughout India. Uh, so, Raul, um looking at the cryptos and looking at India, how can we uplift the lower section of the society through cryptos? Is that possible? Probably that kind ease the government's problems or uh, their hesitation to accept cryptos,
2: probably? Yeah, so India's done something unique versus most other economies. And UPI and Adha were really amazing in bringing people in, right? So everybody has a bank account. And UPI means instant free transfer payments, right? Most countries don't have that. You know, people talk about emerging markets. They should use crypto because it's free. India's already got that. So you've already got a leg up. However, if you are in a village in Bihar, you don't participate in the Indian economy. You don't you know, open a brokerage account with an exchange and try and buy equities. You don't have the money to do it. But crypto, you can do that because you can buy a small fraction. You can put a few rupees in a month and you can do it all from your mobile phone. And again, India's mobile phone network is one of the best in the world and one of the cheapest in the world. So the advantages India has is the electronic banking system that is state of the art, and the fact that everybody now has a bank account, and the fact that um, mobile penetration is so big in India. So therefore, it is not that difficult for people to open an application, open a brokerage account, because now KYC, AML within India is so fast because of Adha, that makes it easy too. So we can do that, and people can start saving, so they can participate. You can be in a village in Bihar, and you can be participating in the new digital technology that is driving the future wealth of India. Now that's amazing because before you had to sell just fruit and vegetables or whatever you were doing um, to create your your income. This is different because they couldn't buy stocks. They couldn't. They just couldn't do it. They didn't have enough money. They didn't have enough net worth. Nobody would take them as a customer. Okay. This changes that.
1: Yeah. So the more and more education and awareness is required in India.
2: Yes. And, you know, if you could just get some of these people to allocate what they would put into gold, into some cryptocurrency, Hmm. just some of that, they will do well. Because don't forget, gold has been the traditional savings vehicle for for rural India. And Mm -hmm. if you, gold and silver... But if you give them access to technology and say, well, here's instantaneous gold and silver you can sell on a global marketplace and and it's growing in adoption, you know, if they just put 10% of their savings that they would ordinarily have put into gold and silver into that, yeah, it's a good thing. You know, let's see, maybe some dowries will start including crypto. (laughs) You know, it's an investment in the future. (laughs) Oh, great. So, Raul, apart
1: from cryptos, which are the other industries or sectors that you see, sunshine sectors, where the the
2: youth and the millennials can focus on? So, I do think anything around what Reliance is doing is important. I think Reliance is going to be one of the world's most important companies. Why? Mm -hmm. They own the entire mobile phone network of India, basically. And then the applications layer on top of it. So anything that gets built, they're building shopping apps and everything else on top of this. They also own the electricity generation, whether it's the oil refiners or now EV. So they own like an entire ecosystem of India. So that whole area is very interesting. Green technology, because India cannot remain reliant on oil. I don't know where India is going to get to with nuclear power, but it has to get there. So that becomes interesting. All of the technology layer in India, because of the UPI payments rails, the internet, the mobile phone, all of this is only going to go exponential over time because the average age is 28. So invest in what stuff 28-year-olds want and 30-year-olds want and 33-year-olds want. Mm -hmm. See the trends in that, the consumer adoption of technology, and invest in that. And invest in things that solve India's problems, like um, green energy. Because India has become much more strategic in how it thinks about its allocation of resources. And it needs to make these decisions if it wants to be able to raise its standard of living over the next 20 years. Yeah, very well said.
1: So in, in India, what's happening is also, you know, all the news channels and the governments, what this is, Blockchain is a good technology, but we cannot accept cryptocurrencies. So they say we will adopt blockchain as a technology. It's a, they understand that it's a very powerful technology, but they cannot accept cryptocurrency. How far do you think is it possible for them to only re- just
2: confine to blockchain,
1: not to cryptocurrencies?
2: Blockchains do not work without a token essentially, right? Because that is the network incentive model. Yeah. So it's kind of ludicrous because mm. the outcome will be tokens or digital assets of some form. Yes, you can have private sector blockchains, but mm-hmm. generally speaking, if you want to have innovation, you have to accept this and that's okay. If they can just stop thinking of them as currencies and thinking of them as digital shares, okay, mm. that's interesting. Well, we can invest in Polygon and Polygon yeah. is a really interesting business. Mm-hmm. so why don't we allow that we don't think of it as a cryptocurrency. is polygon a cryptocurrency no it's a token it's a it's a share or a stake in an ecosystem and a network so they it's again education of these people mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's probably only one that is actually deemed to be a currency which would be bitcoin because there's so other little use case for it right now now that may change over time but it's deemed to be a currency in a sort of value but it's not at the scale of which it's useful as an everyday currency, so it becomes a savings vehicle like gold. But India doesn't outlaw gold, so why would they outlaw? Why should they outlaw it? It kind of there's a lack of consistency in the arguments of what they come up with, um, and I think it's a matter of education because again, same with everywhere, the Indian politicians are a lot older than the general population, so what they're trying to do is look back at the past. And this defensive structure, you know, when I lived in Calcutta in the early 80s, we had to have a bootlegger bringing in foreign foods because everything was banned in India. You know, there was one TV channel when I was there. But mm-hmm. India does change, it. but it just takes time because the politicians are pretty conservative overall, while the population at 28 years old average is less conservative now. Hence, the yeah, we saw the explosion of television you know, there's like 700 MTV-style channels and whatever it is, right?
5: Mm-hmm. So
2: it's very difficult to stop in India. And I think the government has to realize that the population are the voters and they will make the choices in the end. But there's always... We're seeing it in the U.S. too, right? The average age of a politician in the U.S. is 76. And that's just not representative of the population.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice, very nice, role It's very mind-blowing. Lot of knowledge, lot of knowledge. Anybody else to ask any questions?
6: Uh, so I wanted to ask a question more on a personal and a lighter note. So like uh, I'm mm-hmm. I was a student till last month, and I just started uh, working. Uh, this is this has been my first one working. So I wanted to ask like uh, you know if any learnings you wanted to share from your initial years uh, in investment because you know uh, so I got my first salary and my first thought was where to invest it, how to put it in the right places and how to start that culture of investing uh, from now, from uh, today itself. So any learnings you want to share from your initial days or how I can go about the, uh,
2: investing yeah, in my money? You need to right find place. what suits you, what okay. gets you excited, where your mind drifts to. Because if not, people tell you how to invest in certain ways or in what to invest. That If it doesn't suit you, if it doesn't speak to you, so if it's web three, then learn about it. Look at the charts, understand how the market works. What should I be doing? What is my long-term strategy here? Because I am i don't want to be a trader. Sure, you can put a small amount of money on the side for trading and learning that. But you want to be an investor because you've just started your career and you want to save some of this money that somebody's giving you now, which is nice, uh, finally. You want to save some of that. But you don't want to save too much because you've just got your first paycheck. So you want to go and spend some money and, you know, okay go to the pub and see your friends and do all of that cool stuff too. And So, you know, don't kill yourself over, I've got, I must invest now, you know, enjoy your life too, but just start planning. Okay. What is it that interests me? If it is web three, okay. What is my strategy to invest? What is my time horizon here? What are my goals? What am I trying to achieve? Once you do that, you can be much more focused on what you do, because if not, you'll find everybody's got an opinion. Your dad will have an opinion. Your uncle will have an opinion. Your friends will have an opinion. The YouTube channel you watch will have an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. The most important thing is to have your own opinion. And that requires some homework and learning. And then you'll eventually start, these clouds kind of disappear, and you start to see the world through your own eyes with your framework and your time horizon. And once that happens, magic can happen. But it takes a bit of time. And it's fun doing it as well. And you will get it wrong. You will feel like an idiot most of the time. But everybody in financial feels like financial markets feels like an idiot most of the time. Any really mistakes
6: like. you did when you were young, like anyone, anyone you can remember of?
2: No. So we want to know if Raul is the human too, right? <laughs> the point being is we all make mistakes. The process of financial markets is making mistakes, right? Nobody gets things right all the time. In fact, most people barely get more than 50% right. It's how you manage risk that makes the difference. So I've made so many mistakes, so many things. The time i really, really screwed it up was when I did something I didn't understand because somebody told me it was a good idea. And that was back in, you know, I was just starting to work for the hedge fund and I'd been a salesman beforehand. And now I was now running a big book. And this kind of very kind of important salesman from Morgan Stanley was calling up my boss, like, you've got to do this trade in the semiconductors. And it's this, I'm a macro guy. I know nothing about semiconductors, really. And he's like, you've got to do this, the spread between the semiconductors and the NASDAQ and blah, blah, blah. This was in the bust in 2000. And it was kind of a short bias trade. And I just wanted to feel like I was the guy, the new guy, I wanted to show that, you know, I could do a big trade and all of this. So I did a trade on the base basis of this guy's recommendation didn't know what i was doing the entire thing blew up on me and i lost for the fund i don't know a million and a half dollars in one day and it was an instant lesson is every time you start listening to somebody about the new trade idea and you don't really understand it you should never do it keep it simple stupid is always the answer
1: well good thanks yeah. a lot. that's that's thank some you, really valuable lessons for me thank you Karthik raw we have got only two three minutes I don't want to pull this out or, or else we can take it longer as long as you want so so we just want to conclude with a rapid fire round if that's it. okay with you Bitcoin or gold
2: <laughs> Bitcoin okay nft or metaverse nft is a gateway to the metaverse so I'll go for nft okay
1: So utility token or native token?
2: Utility token. Okay. Lovely.
1: So now the last question is this session has been wonderful. No doubt about it, but still we want to know your inputs in rapid fire. How do you rate this or how do you say this event has been superb or fantastic or both?
2: Super fantastic. No, but the quality of people that you've had here is amazing. The questions have been great. And so I think it's it's fabulous. Because I've done a few events in India, and a lot of them were kind of trading-style stuff.
4: Mm-hmm. And
2: it was a lot of people getting rich quick. This is really thoughtful, getting people to understand how to empower themselves. It's really important what you're doing. Yeah, thank you
1: very much. And we, as a community from India, what can we do for you or Real Vision? We are always open for it. And we yep. want you to come back. We want you to come back again and again. Well, Enrich we... us, help us, motivate us. Listen, you have come to our platform at the stage at the time when everywhere it's only red, no green. It's so the only thing green here is Roll Paul Real Vision on my screen. So we and everybody's motivated now. Everybody's motivated. We are and then
2: yeah. we are going to be building real vision India. Mm-hmm. And Nippon is working on this. We already Mm -hmm. have pricing for India for the subscription-based part. Mm -hmm. But the first thing to do is just go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to it. Okay. Because you're gonna get the kind of education you're getting from here, which Mm -hmm. will balance with the kind of education side that you're giving and others are giving. And it's gonna help give that broad picture. So just go to the YouTube channel. It's free yeah, and hit the subscribe button there and start your journey of understanding how the big picture fits into what you're doing. And then watch out. We're going to start having some events in India. We're going to start building a discord in India, and we're going to have some specific Indian programming as well. So, Mm. but go to the YouTube channel first, whether we launch a separate YouTube channel for India, uh, not sure yet. Nipin and the team are working on that.
1: Okay. Lovely. So that's very nice. We are absolutely on time. And, We'll keep in touch and hope to see you soon again. And any last comments or anything for the youth of India? or? No, just
2: be excited. Okay. I know it always feels frustrating in India. You know, it's like the regulation, the bureaucracy, all of the things. But you mm-hmm. guys are in a very special place in time. You've got the right demographic. You've got low debts. You've got the right geopolitical positioning. You've got enormous change going on within the economy itself this is your opportunity it this is going to be the decade or two decades of india Seize it and we are a country
1: with 300 million youth
2: yes exactly
1: a lot of power a lot of power yeah very good thank you very much Raul. thanks for your time and hope to see you soon again and absolutely i
2: look forward to it yeah thanks thanks for coming okay great to see you all thanks so much thank you very much okay. take care look after yourself yeah and you bye-bye